Hey, hey guys, welcome back to George Has the Wheel. I'm your host, Carson Wagner, and today we're going to be discussing the Tenerife Airport disaster involving KLM Flight 4805 and Pan Am Flight 1736. So I hope you guys enjoy this, and if you have any questions or comments, or don't like what I'm doing on this podcast, shoot me an email at georgehasthewheel7500 at gmail.com and let me know what you think. And uh, I'd like you as a listener to please con- to please consider donating to this podcast. Any donations given are greatly appreciated and will go towards improving and furthering the podcast for many years to come. To donate, just go to my podcast description on Spotify or any of my episode descriptions and hit the link in the description. So yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening and yeah, welcome to George. Welcome to George Has the Wheel. In regard to the segments of this episode, credit links to the original authors and articles are included down in the description. It is my legal responsibility to inform that this copyrighted original work has been modified and added to the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 license. A link to the license will be included in the description. After the segment or segments is over, I will clarify what I am referring to by noting the end of a note. The Tenerife Airport disaster occurred on March 27, 1977, when two Boeing 747 passenger jets collided on the runway at Los Rodios Airport, now Tenerife North Airport, on the Spanish island of Tenerife. The collision occurred when KLM Flight 4805 initiated its takeoff run, while Pan Am Flight 1736 was still on the runway. The impact and resulting fire killed everyone on board KLM 4805 and most of the occupants of Pan Am 1736, with only 61 survivors in the front section of the aircraft. Resulting in 583 fatalities, the disaster is the deadliest accident in aviation history. A terrorist incident at Grand Canaria Airport had caused many flights to be diverted to Los Rodeos, including the two aircraft involved in the accident. The the airport quickly became congested with parked airplanes, blocking the only taxiway and forcing departing aircraft to taxi on the runway instead. Patches of thick fog were drifting across the airfield, hence visibility was greatly reduced for pilots and the control tower. The subsequent investigation by Spanish authorities concluded that the primary cause of the accident was the KLM captain's decision to take off in the mistaken belief that a takeoff clearance from ATC had been issued. Dutch investigators placed a greater emphasis on a mutual misunderstanding in radio communications between the KLM crew and ATC, but ultimately, but ultimately, KLM admitted that their crew was responsible for the accident, and the airline agreed to financially compensate the relatives of all the victims. The disaster had a lasting influence on the industry, highlighting in particular the vital importance of using standardized phraseology in radio communications. Cockpit procedures were also reviewed, contributing to the establishment of crew resource management as a fundamental part of airline pilots' training. Tenerife was an unscheduled stop for both, pl- for both flights. Their destination was Gran Canaria Airport, also known as Las Palmas Airport or Gando Airport, serving Las Palmas on the nearby air- island of Gran Canaria. Both islands are part of the Canary Islands, 
an autonomous community of Spain located in the Atlantic Ocean off the southwest coast of Morocco. KLM Flight 4805 was a charter flight for Holland International Travel Group and had arrived from Amsterdam Airport, Schiphol, Netherlands. Its cockpit crew consisted of Captain Jacob Veldhuizen van Zanten, age 50, First Officer Klaas Mears, 42, and Flight Engineer William Schroeder, 48. At the time of the accident, Veldhuizen van Zanten was KLM's chief flight instructor with 11,700 flight hours, of which 1,545 hours were on the 747. Morris had 9,200 flight hours, of which 95 hours were on the 747. Shorter had 17,031 flight hours, of which 543 hours were on the 747. The aircraft was a Boeing 747-206B, registration Papa Hotel, Bravo Uniform Foxtrot, named Russian, Rhine in the German language. The KLM jet was carrying four, 14 crew members and 235 passengers, including 52 children. Most of the KLM passengers were Dutch, but also on board were four Germans, two Austrians, and two Americans. After the aircraft landed at Tenerife, the passengers were transported to the airport terminal. One of the inbound passengers who lived on the island with her boyfriend chose not to reboard the 747, leaving 234 passengers on board. Pan Am Flight 1736 had originated at Los Angeles International Airport with an intermediate stop at New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport. The aircraft was a Boeing 747-121, registration November 736 Papa Alpha, named Clipper Victor. It was the first 747 to be delivered to an airline. Of the 380 passengers, mostly of retirement age, but including two children, 14 had boarded in New York, where the crew was also changed. The new crew consisted of Captain Victor Grubbs, age 56, First Officer Robert Bragg, 39, and Flight, Engin Flight Engineer George Warns, 46, and 13 flight attendants. At the time of the accident, Grubbs had 21,043 hours of flight time, of which 564 were on the 747. Bragg had 10,800 flight hours, of which 2,796 hours were on the 747. Warns had 15,210 flight hours, of which 559 were on the 747. This particular aircraft had, an oper had operated the inaugural 747 commercial flight on January 22, 1970. On August 2, 1970, in its first year of service, it also became the first 747 to be hijacked en route between JFK and Louis Manaz Marin International Airport in San Juan, Puerto Rico. It was diverted to Jose Marti International Airport in Havana, Cuba. Both flights had been routine until they approached the islands. At 13.15, a bomb planted by the separatist Can Canary Islands Independence Movement exploded in the terminal of Grand Canaria Airport, injuring eight people. There had been a phone call warning of the bomb, and another call received soon afterwards made claims of a second bomb at the airport. The civil aviation authorities had therefore closed the airport temporarily after the explosion, and all incoming flights bound for Grand Canaria had been diverted to Los Rodeos, including the two aircraft involved in the disaster. The Pan Am crew indicated they preferred a circle and a holding pattern until landing clearance was given. 
they had enough fuel to safely stay in the air for two more hours, but they were ordered to divert to Tenerife. Los Rodios was a regional airport that could not easily accommodate all of the traffic diverted from Gran Canaria, which included five large airliners. The airport had only one runway and one major taxiway running parallel to it, with four short taxiways in connecting the two. While waiting for Gran Canaria Airport to reopen, the diverted airplanes took up so much space that they had to park on the long taxiway, making it unavailable for the purpose of taxiing. Instead, departing aircraft needed to taxi along the runway to position themselves for takeoff, a procedure known as back taxi or backtrack. The authorities reopened Grand Canaria Airport once the bomb threat had been contained. The Pan Am plane was ready to, to depart from Tenerife, but access to the runway was obstructed by the KLM plane and a refueling vehicle. The KLM captain had decided to fully refuel at Los Rodeos instead of Las Palmas, apparently to save time. The Pan Am aircraft was unable to maneuver around the refueling KLM in order to reach the, aircraft, the runway for takeoff, due to a lack of safe clearance between the two planes, which was just 3.7 meters, 12 feet. The, re the refueling took about 35 minutes, after which the passengers were brought back to the aircraft. The search for a missing Dutch family of four who had not returned to the waiting KLM plane delayed the flight even further. Bobina van Landstraat, a tour guide, had chosen not to reboard the flight to Las Palmas because she lived on Tenerife and thought it impractical to fly to Gran Canaria only to return to Tenerife the next day. She was therefore not on the KLM plane when the accident happened and, it would, be, and would be the only survivor of those who flew from Amsterdam to Tenerife on flight 4805. The tower instructed the KLM plane to taxi down the entire length of the, run of the runway and then make a 180-degree turn to get into takeoff position. While the KLM was back taxiing on the runway, the controller asked the flight crew to report when it was ready to copy the ATC clearance. Because the flight crew was performing the checklist, copying the clearance was postponed until the aircraft was in takeoff position. Shortly afterward, the Pan Am was instructed to follow the KLM down the same runway, exit it by taking the third exit on their left, and then use the parallel taxiway. Initially, the crew was unclear as to whether the controller had told them to take the first or third exit. The crew asked for clarification, and the controller responded emphatically by, re by replying, The third one, sir. One, two, three. Third. Third one. End quote. The crew began the taxi and proceeded to identify the unmarked taxiways using an airport diagram as they reached them. The crew successfully identified the first two taxiways, Charlie 1 and Charlie 2, but their discussion in the, in the cockpit indicated they had not sighted the third taxiway, Charlie 3, which they had been instructed to use. There were no marking, markings or signs to identify the third taxi that two there were no markings or signs to identify the runway exits, and they were in conditions of poor visibility. The Pan Am crew appeared to remain unsure of their position on the runway until the collision, which occurred near the intersection with the fourth taxiway, Charlie 4. The angle of the third taxiway would have required the plane to perform a 148-degree turn, which would lead back toward the still-crowded main, main apron. At the end of Charlie 3, the Pan Am would have to make another 148-degree turn in order to continue taxiing towards the start of the runway, similar to a mirrored letter Z. Taxiway Charlie 4 would have required two 35-degree turns. A study carried out by the Airline Pilots Association, ALPA, 
after the accident concluded that making the second 148-degree turn at the end of Taxiway Charlie 3 would have been a, t a practical impossibility. The official report from the Spanish authorities explained that the controller instructed the Pan Am aircraft to use the third taxiway because this was the earliest exit that they could take to reach the unobstructed section of the parallel taxiway. Los Rodeos Airport is at 633 meters, 2,077 feet above sea level, which gives rise to weather conditions that differ from those at many other airports. Clouds at 600 meters, 2,000 feet above the ground level at the nearby coast or at ground level at Los Rodeos. Drifting clouds of different densities can cause wildly varying visibilities, from unhindered at one moment to below the minimums the next. The collision took place in a high-density cloud. The Pan Am crew found themselves in poor and rapidly deteriorating visibility almost as soon as they entered the runway. According to the Airline Pilots Association report, as the Pan Am aircraft taxied to the runway, the visibility was about 500 meters, 1,600 feet. Shortly after they turned onto the runway, it, dec it decreased to less than 100 meters, 330 feet. Meanwhile, the KLM plane was still in good visibility, but with clouds blowing down the runway towards them. The aircraft completed its 180-degree turn in relatively clear weather and lined up on runway 30. The next cloud was 900 meters, 3,000 feet down the runway and moving towards the aircraft at about 12 knots, 14 miles per hour or 22 kilometers per hour. Immediately after lining up, the KLM captain advanced the throttles and the aircraft started to move forward. First Officer Mears advised him that ATC clearance had not yet been given, and Captain Valdhuizen Van Zanten responded, quote, No, I know that. Go ahead. Ask. End quote. Mears then radioed the tower that they were ready for takeoff and waiting for ATC clearance. The KLM crew then received instructions that specified the route that the aircraft was to follow after takeoff. The, the instructions used the word takeoff, but did not include an explicit statement that they were cleared for takeoff. MERS read the flight clearance back to the controller, completing the readback with the, the statement, We are now at takeoff. Captain Valdhuizen Van Zanten interrupted the co-pilot's readback with the comment, We're going. The controller, who could not see the runway due to the fog, initially responded with OK, terminology that is non-standard, which reinforced the KLM captain's misinterpretation that they had takeoff clearance. The controller's response of OK to the co-pilot's non-standard statement that they were now at takeoff was likely due to his misinterpretation that they were in takeoff position and ready to begin the roll when takeoff clearance was received, but not in the process of taking off. The controller then immediately added, Stand by for takeoff, I will call you, indicating he had not intended the instruction to be interpreted as a takeoff clearance. A simultaneous radio call from the Pan Am crew caused a mutual interference on the radio frequency, which was audible to the KLM cockpit as a three-second long shrill sound. This caused the KLM crew to miss the crucial latter part portion of the tower's response. The Pan Am crew's transmission was, we're still taxing down the runway, the Clipper 1736. This message was also blocked by the interference and inaudible to the KLM crew. Either message, if heard in the KLM cockpit, would have alerted the crew to the situation and given them time to abort the takeoff attempt. Due to the fog, neither crew was able to see the other plane on the runway ahead of them. In addition, 
neither of the aircraft could be seen from the control tower, and the airport was not equipped with ground radar. After the KLM plane had started its takeoff roll, the tower instructed the Pan Am crew to report when runway clear. The Pan Am crew replied, Okay, we'll report when we're clear. Upon hearing this, the KLM flight engineer expressed his concern about the Pan Am not being clear of the runway by asking the pilots in his own cockpit, Is he not clear that the pa- that Pan American? End quote. Feldweisen Van Zanten emphatically replied, Oh yes, and continued with the takeoff. According to the cockpit voice recorder, the Pan Am captain said there he is when he spotted the KLM's landing lights through the fog just as his plane approached exit C4. When it became clear that the KLM aircraft was approaching at takeoff speed, Captain Grubbs exclaimed, Expletive, that expletive is coming, while First Officer Robert Bragg yelled, Get off, get off, get off. Captain Grubbs applied full power to the throttles and made a sharp left turn towards the grass in an attempt to avoid the impending collision. By the time the KLM pilot saw the Pan Am aircraft, they were already moving too fast to stop. In desperation, the pilots prematurely rotated the aircraft and attempted and attempted to clear the Pan Am by lifting off, causing a 22-meter, 72-foot tail strike. The KLM 747 was within 100 meters, 330 feet of the Pan Am and moving at approximately 140 knots, 260 kilometers an hour or 160 miles per hour when it left the ground. Its nose landing gear cleared the Pan Am, but its left side engines, lower fuselage, and main landing gear struck the upper right side of the Pan Am's fuselage, ripping apart the center of the Pan Am jet almost directly above the wing. The right side engines crashed through the Pan Am's upper deck immediately behind the cockpit. The KLM plane remained briefly airborne, but the impact had sheared off the outer left engine, caused significant amounts of shredded materials to be ingested by the inner left engine and damaged the wings. The plane immediately went into a stall, rolled sharply, and hit the ground approximately 150 meters, 500 feet, past the collision, sliding down the runway for a further 300 meters, 1,000 feet. The full load of fuel, which had caused the er, which had caused the earlier delay, ignited immediately into a fireball that could not be subdued for several hours. One of the 61 survivors of the Pan Am flight said that sitting in the nose of the plane probably saved his life. We all settled back, and the next thing, an an explosion took place, and the whole port side, left side of the plane, was just torn wide open. Captain Valdweisen Van Zanten was KLM's chief of flight training and one of of their most senior pilots. About two months before the accident, he had conducted the Boeing 747 qualification check on the co-pilot of Flight 4805. His photograph was used for publicity materials such as magazine advertisements, including the in-flight magazine on board Papa Hotel Bravo Uniform Foxtrot. KLM had suggested initially that Veldweiss and Van Zanten should help with the investigation, unaware that he had been killed in the accident. Both airplanes were destroyed in the collision. All 248 passengers and crew aboard the KLM plane died as did 335 passengers and crew aboard the Pan Am plane, primarily due to the fire and explosions resulting from the fuel spilled and ignited in the impact. The other 61 passengers and crew aboard the Pan Am aircraft survived, including the captain, first officer, and flight engineer. 
Most of the survivors on the Pan Am walked out onto the intact left wing, the side away from the collision, through holes in the fuselage structure. The Pan Am's engines were still running for a few minutes after the accident, despite First Officer Bragg's intention to turn them off. The top part of the cockpit where the engine switches were located had been destroyed in the collision, and all control lines were severed, leaving no method for the flight crew to control the aircraft systems. Survivors waited for rescue, but it did not come promptly, as the, as the firefighters were initially unaware that there were two aircraft involved, involved and were concentrating on the KLM wreck, hundreds of meters away in the thick fog and smoke. Eventually, most of the survivors on the wing dropped to the ground below. Notable fatalities include Eve Meyer, a pinup model, film actress, and producer, and former wife of film director Russ Meyer. She was on the Pan Am flight and A.P. Hammond, the former city manager of San Jose, California. He was also on the Pan Am flight. This ends the segment or segments that include copyrighted work. For more information, click on the links in the description.